Lord Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your presence. God, I just ask that you would give us words to say right now. I ask that you would bring us all into uh, to your attention. I ask that you would put your words in our heart that will produce fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm going to, again, I'm going to talk pretty quick, but I want to talk about pausing today. Um, you know, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, we talked about this last week, they are always motivated toward connecting with us. Like, there's never a moment where their motivation is to disconnect or walk away from us. They are always pursuing us. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all good? If you help me, we'll go faster, I promise. It's a truth. Like, if you've ever preached, like, it's true. You get help, you're like, all right, I'm going to speed up. They got it. They're ready to go. So God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are relentlessly pursuing us. There's nothing we do that makes them stop and think, hmm, I don't think they're worth chasing after. Nothing. So everything they do is to reach out to pull us close. All of it, every, every encounter with them, every word they speak, every time we sense their presence, it's to bring us into closeness to them, not for disconnection. And, and we're the ones that disconnect from them. We're the ones that, that allow shame or decisions we've made or consequences to say, you know, I'm going to separate myself because I'm not worthy of them. But I don't get to decide whether I'm worthy of them or not. They decided that. Jesus decided they're worthy. So I'm going to give my life for them. So we don't have the right to say, I'm going to pull away from God. I'm going to disconnect from God. I mean, David said it. Even if I went to the lowest depths of hell, you're there. (laughs) And if I climbed to the tallest mountain, you're there too. I can't escape from your presence. Amen. But we do have an enemy whose sole motivation is to make us have a disconnection between us and God. Right? Amen? All right, we all know that. So if these statements are true, that means that we have countless opportunities every single day to encounter, to have encounter moments with God. Every single day. Did you know that? Every single day there are invitations sprinkled throughout our day to connect deeper with God. Every single day. And I mean, I mean this, I was thinking about it. I was like, so I woke up in the middle of the sleep last night and this next statement down here came to my, my mind. And I was like, that's, that's a little um, big or those encounters are a little too crazy or those are things that none of us are experienced. Maybe that's too much or, you know, maybe I should put some smaller examples and God's like, no, these people encountered him in, in crazy ways all the time. These are just a few examples of these people having encounters with God that we read about in history. And you and I have opportunities every single day to have God encounters. Like when Moses saw the burning bush and he's like, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Like when Jacob woke up from a dream and he's like, oh, surely this is where God is. Surely the presence of the Lord was here and I was sleeping through it. Right? Come on. Just like Elijah, when he called fire down from heaven, I mean, they had miracle after miracle that these people saw. Like Daniel when he was in the lion's den and God was there with him in the struggle and the pain. Like Gideon when he delivered Israel. Or like when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain and Jesus was transfigured, transformed in front of them and they saw him in his glory. These these aren't the only times these people in the Bible encountered God in a powerful way. These are examples of things they saw regularly. Now, let me ask you this question. 
if these, most of these are Old Testament, uh, Old Testament examples before the Holy Spirit was given to us to be in us and to rest upon us. And if those people can have those kinds of encounters with God, with the Holy Spirit who only rested on them and then left, right? This is how they would explain it. As a matter of fact, Gideon, the Bible says that that God put Gideon on like a glove. And he used him for his purposes. And then his presence would leave him. It's like Samson. The presence of the Lord would come upon him. He would perform these great acts and these exploits that we read about. And then the presence of the Lord would leave him. And David saw what that was like. The Lord would come upon David and he would write these songs and he would do these exploits. And then the presence would leave. So David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't let your presence leave. Stay with me. He figured something out that was a New Testament promise and covenant that you and I live under. And yet, I, I want you to think about it. Have you had some of these big God encounters in your life? I, maybe some of you already thought of some. I have memories. They're, things, they're like little CDs or books I can pull out in my mind and go back to that place where I encountered God. I may not have called fire down from heaven. No one else may have seen this great exploit, but I had an encounter with God, and I knew He was there. And God wants us to have these kinds of encounters all the time. They're available to us. Encounters with people in the grocery store. Encounters where we prophesy, where we heal the sick, where we cleanse lepers, where we cast out demons. Encounters where we see a marriage that's falling apart and we say, God said, let no man divide this. And we step in. These things are available to us. Jesus says, you see these things that I've been doing, you're going to do these things. And even greater things. Like that always offends me. (laughs) <laughs> like, I can't even do one of the cool things Jesus did. How am I going to do greater things? It's an invitation. It's an invitation. Every promise that God has is open-ended on our end, not on His. His promise is yes, and we have to decide whether we're the amen or not. Like, He has open invitations for us. I feel very strongly that we're, we're living in a day where we're going to see mighty exploits done by God over the earth that has never been seen before. It's starting to break out in other places, in other countries around the world, even in our country. There are miracles and signs and wonders breaking out. that They're about to happen on a scale we have never seen before. I love that. And, and next week, when hopefully when all of our youth are back and youth pastors and stuff are back, you're going to hear some testimonies of encounters that our kids got to have with, with the powerful God who wants to show His power and His authority. Yeah. He wants to reveal himself to us. Again, if God's main goal and purpose is to reach out and connect with us, then we are going going to see more encounters begin to break out. Amen? But here's the most dangerous thing. The most dangerous thing that we can do as followers of Jesus is to do something that we call spiritual, but not engage our heart. That's the most dangerous thing we can do. It's more dangerous than going out and sinning. The most dangerous thing that we can do is to say, I'm doing something that's of a spiritual nature, but my heart is not connected to this moment. And I'm not connected to Jesus. I'm doing it, but I'm not connected to Him. The Bible talks about this in Isaiah 29. I'm going to skip to Isaiah 29 here. I want you to read this with me. 
says, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch these people draw near me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their fear or their worship, it says in other translations, their fear or worship of me is taught by the commandments of men. Therefore, (laughs) I love his solution to this. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of the prudent men shall be hidden. And in other words, he's going to put his glory in places that people are like, I don't understand how God did that with that person or that, that organization, because that doesn't seem like they're powerful or they're wise or that they're, or they're trained. Just like they said of the disciples, these men are ignorant and unlearned. How are they doing these things? It's, it's, uh, it's act, I'm going to use the word. It's actually evil to do something that we call spiritual, but it not connect us to God. It's actually witchcraft. It, it really is. And I, and I want, I want that, that heaviness of that to set on us. Um, that's not the main idea of this message. But the truth is, if I do something that I call worship and my heart's not engaged, then it's witchcraft. James says it like this. He says, if you're hearers of the word only, but not doers, then we deceive ourselves. Because it's not in the hearing, it's in the doing that we get the realization, we get the transformation of it. It's not in the religious exercise that saves man's soul. There's no religious exercise that can save us. There's no prayer, there's no song, there's no sermon, there's no act of service or love that will save us. There's only one thing that saves us, and it's faith. It's a connection to Jesus being who He says He is. It's my spirit saying, you are exactly who you say you are. That thing there, that feature of faith, is what makes everything else we do important and powerful. That's why the Bible says that anything that's not done in faith is sin. So I can do a spiritual thing, not in faith, and it's actually sinful before God. (sighs) Because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. But you know what happens when I activate my faith and I... And I parent my children through faith. It has now become a spiritual act of worship before God. Because I'm saying, God, I don't know how to parent these boys. But I'm going to do it through faith in you. And it becomes beautiful to God. God, I don't know how to take care of this situation. But I'm going to do it unto you with all my heart. And it becomes beautiful to God as a fragrant offering before Him. We open the service. We bring our offerings to you. We bring our vows to you, God. Here they all are. It's faith that makes those things powerful. It's faith that makes the song we sing powerful. It's faith that makes the prayer that we pray over someone heal them. It's prayer that makes the sermon touch someone's broken heart. It's, it, it's faith. <laughs> it's faith. It's a simple little thing that every one of us has. 
And he has given to every one of us a measure of faith. We get to work it out. We get to strengthen it. We get to make it strong by exercising it. But it's not these things that we do. It's not the honoring him with our lips. It's not singing songs and performing dances before him. It's not any of this stuff that pleases him. It's my heart saying, you are who you say you are, God. And because you are who you say you are, it affects the way I act. Because I believe you are the Son of God, it affects the way I live my life. It affects the way I treat a stranger. It affects the way I treat my wife. It affects the way I take care of my dog. When we do it unto the Lord, it becomes fragrant offering before Him. And it, and it, will, it will cause us Jesus was talking to the disciples one time. They're like, do you, are you hungry? You need something to eat? And Jesus says, I have food you don't even know about. And they're like, all right. Always about food with this guy. <laughs> he must have been Pentecostal. <sighs> That's a bad joke. <laughs> Jesus goes, my food. What strengthens me? What gives me nourishment? What activates my body? physical body is to do the will of the one who sent me it was Jesus acting out in faith saying God you are who you say you are I only do what I see you do I only say what I hear you say that's faith Jesus demonstrated faith to us even Jesus exercised faith and when people didn't have a lot of faith Jesus would let them borrow his faith did you know that like I, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus would loan his faith to them and it would create an encounter because he's always reaching out to us. And what he wants from us is not offerings of praise from our lips. He wants our heart to say, you are who you say you are. He wants our heart to really wrap itself around the truth that he is a good father, that every word he said about himself is true. He's not, and Jesus was not just a good man and a prophet. The other two main religions of the world have an offense toward Christianity because of that thing we believe. They believe that Jesus was a good man. They believe that Jesus was even a prophet. But what they have a problem with is that Jesus said he was God. But we believe that Jesus is also God. We believe he is who he says he is. Amen. Amen. Am I like, right? That wasn't like some theological, like de deep thing, right? We believe Jesus was the son of God and he was God with God. And that trips up all the other major religions of the world. And that, that little piece of faith. You are Jesus who you say you are, because if he lied about anything else, then he wasn't a good prophet and he wasn't a good man. If not, if not every word he said about himself was true, then none of it was true. But every word he said is true. And, and everything he did was reaching out toward mankind. Everything he did was to touch our heart. And I want to make it personal right now. Have you felt him reaching out to you this week? I love that. I see it on your face, the smile. When you said yes, I could tell. He's been close. He's been coming close. 
And he's saying, don't do all these things and say it's for me without activating that little thing called faith. And then the thing that's important, it's magical. It really is magical. When we activate our faith and we live by faith, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. When we live by faith, everything we do is unto the Lord and it becomes worship. Everything. Let's close with this story. You've all heard it. Now it happened as they had entered a certain village and a certain woman, I guess that was redacted or something. They couldn't put their names in there. A certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her, into her house and she had a sister called Mary. And what did Mary do when Jesus was at their house? She sat at his feet and listened to his words. She listened. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Whew, I can so identify with Martha. There are so many things that need to be done. The last thing I need to be doing is sitting here at your feet. I've got food to prep. We've got rolls in the oven. We've got this thing going over here. We've got this over here. We ran out of chairs. The house, there's too many people in the house. The AC is not cooling very well. We've got all this stuff to tend to. Man, I can so identify. All important things of hosting. So Martha was frustrated. And after several dirty looks, I'm sure to Mary, who ignored her. <laughs> After several huffs and puffs. <sighs> oh, it sure would be nice if someone would help me out. The passive aggressive stuff, right? <laughs> and Mary was locked in. The passive aggressive didn't work on her. So she comes to Jesus. She's like, she tries it on him. Does passive aggress aggression work on Jesus? I don't think so. Lord, do you not care <laughs> that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her to stop and to help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. I don't think he was mad at her. I think he thought, you're a wonderful woman. You've, you've got great qualities. You just got it flipped. You're worried about and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. And I will not be taken away from her. You know what I see here? You need both Mary and Martha in the kingdom. But we need Martha's who have Mary's heart. Because stuff has to get done. We do need to go out and evangelize the world. And we do need to build the church. And we do need to do all the stuff, right? It has to get done. But... Especially, and again, I'm going to go here. I don't want to, I'm not going to speak ill of the church, but I'm going to say we've kind of missed the plot here over the last few decades where we've become church builders and business builders. And there's all these to-do lists that we've created to make a church healthy and successful, to make a church grow, to make a church beautiful and powerful. And I, again, I don't think those are wrong things. I just think they're in the wrong place. And I think we've got to get the first button right again. And the first button is sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's pausing. It's the sila. It's like, oh, God's here. Stop. Everybody stop what you're doing. God's here. 
I've heard, te- I've heard business testimonies. We're part of Bethel Leaders Network. And I've heard testimonies where they are at their workplace and the presence of the Lord enters in and they stop everyone. Hey, everyone, stop what you're doing. And it, it, if you're a believer, if you're not a believer, we're just taking a pause. And we want you to, we want you to meditate, on, meditate on the Lord, meditate, whatever you got to do. Pause. The Lord is here. Stop. He's here. Selah. And I want us to begin to live our life like this. I think the Lord's calling us to this, to be like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, when, when we get that first part right, it'll make everything else we do so much more productive. It's like sharpening the axe. When the axe is dull, it takes a lot of effort. We're working ourselves to death with this dull axe. You're like, oh, I don't really have time to go and grind the axe and do it. But if we would just take the few moments and pause and grind that axe down to a sharper point, it would take so much less effort. And some of us are living our lives with a dull axe. We're doing the works. We're honoring Him with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. Or we're doing things for Jesus. We're doing things for our family. We're doing things for our marriage, but our axe is dull because we've stopped sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is calling us home. And he's saying, hey, Martha, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things. The most important thing is that you just sit at my feet. And this is where we're at. God is calling us. He initiates, right? We say this all the time. He initiates. We respond. I don't set the agenda for God. But when I feel his presence, like obviously he's always with us, right? He's omnipresent. He's always with us. That's true. That will never not be true. But you know what I'm talking about when you're like, oh, my awareness of how amazing he is just went through the roof. It's like a metal detector. Like that piece of gold has been in the ground for 300 years. It's been there. People have walked right past it. People have played beach volleyball right over that beautiful buried treasure for years. But someone who tuned in, oh, there's something here under the ground that's valuable. Stop. We got to dig right here. That's what the Lord wants us to do. Oh, he's here. But there's something about people that tune in to the frequency of his voice, the frequency of his presence. This is okay. I'm stopping whatever I'm doing right now. Radio's off. TV's off. Family come together. Wherever we're at, we stop. What are we stopping for? Jesus is here. Yeah, come on. Well, what does he want from us? We don't know yet, but, but we're just stopping. We don't know. Yeah. Don't get busy when Jesus shows up. Listen to me. Going forward, especially when we gather together in corporate worship, when Jesus shows up, we don't have to get busier. Our worship doesn't have to get busier. I'm not saying it can't, but I'm saying it doesn't have to. But what does need to happen? We need to stop and go, okay, what is the Lord doing right now? Am I supposed to just sit here? Am I supposed to be quiet? What are you wanting from me, God? That's part of the pause. It's not just the stopping. It's the stopping and saying, what are you doing? What do you want from me? You know, there's a beautiful song written years ago. Jen Johnson wrote wrote it. It says, what can I do for you? What can I bring for you? What kind of song would you like me to sing? I'll dance a dance for you. I'll pour my love out. What do you want? Whatever you want, I'll do it in that moment. But what happens is when my heart loves the Lord, but I have a Martha tendency, the presence of the Lord will show up and I'll just start getting busy. Stuff's got to be done. And I miss that moment. 
of connecting with Jesus, and I miss His words. It's not the activity that brings life. It's not my work and my toil that produces fruit in my life. It's His Word. It's His Word. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God produces fruitfulness, produces life. And if we are Martha tendencies, if we have those Martha tendencies, we miss on what He's saying right now. And, it, and we may become effective. We may work really hard with that dull axe and be effective. But he's like, you could be so much more effective if you just pause and listen to what I'm saying right now. So we're going to practice again once you stand. Whew. Let me paint you a picture and we're going to pray. Do you know how sensitive Jesus is to our voice and to our touch? Picture the woman with the issue of blood. That's how sensitive Jesus is. Everyone's touching him, but he felt her touch him. He felt her. That's how sensitive he is to when you and I pause and turn to him and say, what are you doing? And it pleases him. So I want us to pray, God, I want us to pray this prayer right where you're at. God, make me more sensitive to your presence. Ready, go. God, make me more sensitive. Make me more aware. Increase my sensitivity to your voice, to your activity, to your presence, to your authority, to your hope. To everything you bring into the room with you. Increase my sensitivity. Yeah, God. Now we're going to activate. I want you to pray for someone close to you. Pray for someone close to you. They they will become so sensitive to His presence, more aware of His presence. Come on. Every one of you, we're activated. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. Increase our sensitivity. Stir up our faith and our response to you, God. You initiate. We respond. We pause in your presence. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we ask that you would cut away the hardness of our hearts. Lord, if we've got a hard, hard place, a callus on our heart, we ask that you would pour the oil of the Holy Spirit and heal that place in us. Make us sensitive again. Remove the callousness from our hearts, God.
And I'd like to close service like this. I'm gonna, I just bless you with more encounters with his presence. But I want to close service where we pause. When we just spread out across this room, when we make it a place of prayer, a place of pause, pause however long that you want to. <clears throat> but we just want Jesus to know we recognize your presence. We know that you're here and we are settling in. Come on. Let's go ahead and practice that.